0: Hey folks, this is the Contextual Insurgent Podcast, and I'm your host, Aaron Smith. I'm an activist, an analyst, a writer, and a sense maker. I'm a Republican, a former SF GOP Central Committee delegate, where I was the Deputy Vice Chair of Communications. As a California GOP endorsed state Senate candidate, where I managed to win 11% of the vote in San Francisco, which, trust me, is better than average. I've also been involved with in the firearms community and Second Amendment rights. I was on the cover of Time Magazine in November of 2018 for the Guns in America issue but I'm probably best known for my free speech activism and facing off with the hard lefties like Antifa in California and the Pacific Northwest since 2017. The general topic of this podcast series will be politics and the current culture war, as seen from my unique, rather hands-on experience and knowledge, but also intend to include a practical element focused on giving you the conceptual tools to build towards true grassroots, nonviolent political change. You may have noticed lefties usually seem to get what they want regardless of how elections go, and I want to help you change that. You can also sign up for my Substack newsletter, At contextualinsurgent.substack.com I have a weekly newsletter that looks back at some of the highlighted stories of the week And gives you some feedback and analysis of what's happening If you'd like to support my work, I have a Patreon at patreon.com backslash eesmith4 That's the number 4 I also have a cash app at dollar sign eesmith4 Again, that's the number 4 for the cost of a mocha frappuccino once a month, you can support my work, which is ultimately about helping you. Hey everyone, this is Aaron again from Protection Surgeon Project. This is February 13th, and this is daily dispatch number nine. I'm sitting here with tech bro Tito. We have actually got a, a question and a reply uh, feedback from one of our listeners. We're gonna get into that in a moment. It's kind of fits in fairly well with one of the probably the most notable thing that's happened today, which is Trump being acquitted in his Senate trial. It was fifty seven forty three in favor of convicting, but of course you need sixty seven votes to convict anyone in the Senate of impeachment when once they've been impeached. We pretty much knew this from the beginning. There was the votes were not going to be there, but you know, they pretty much had to go through the steps anyway. Uh, The Dems and the left have pretty gone into witch hunt mode, so even with it being a failure they decided to waste a few weeks on that. Well, one of the things that we've talked about in the past is the concept of needing to have material support for your allies and causing material damage to your enemies. I had uh, we're going to call him for the purposes of this podcast. We're going to give him the, the name Dagny Taggart's OnlyFans Admin, <laughs> is uh, what we're going to call him. Uh, he's a libertarian-leaning listener. And he wrote in, he, he wanted to ex- us to expand a little bit more about the concept of that. And he actually had some interesting feedback where it's not so much to cause harm to your opponents and material support your allies. You have to keep in mind something that he liked to call the political return on investment. I'm going to go ahead and actually, and he he's actually sent us an example of something from work, uh, just, you know, in business that would try to help get across what he was thinking about and what he kind of wanted us to expand on. I think it's an interesting point, so I'm going to go ahead and read the, the little uh, thing he sent here, and we'll talk about it right after. I'm going to walk through the process we used to make a recent business decision at the company i work for the purpose is to then show how the same principles used to make business decisions can be applied to decisions regarding political activism my company was nearing the end of the year and had an excess of ten thousand dollars left in the budget two proposals were submitted suggesting different possible ways to spend the ten thousand dollars the marketing team was excited to partner with an edgy graphic artist to jazz up their advertising material which had admittedly become dated and stale over the years. The fees for the artwork were expected to be $10,000. The marketing team claimed that the new materials were guaranteed to be much more effective at selling than the current materials. The accounting team had been complaining that payroll information had to be entered manually every month, even though there were software available that would automate the process. The new software would cost $10,000. When asked how much work the existing process took, the accounting team says it was about 10 hours a month. The C-suite decision makers were much more excited about a slick new advertising campaign that would help the company to grow. It's something they could get excited telling the board of directors about, whereas getting rid of a small amount of work for one employee out of the entire company was about the least sexy thing in the world to talk about. To be safe, the CFO decided to prepare an ROI return on investment analysis of the two proposals to assist with the decision making process. She was skeptical of accounting's proposal because $10,000 for a simple piece of software seemed way too expensive. So she began by asking how much it cost them to employ payroll staff. They said the job paid $30 an hour. After adding in the cost of benefits, taxes, and office space, it cost the company a total of $50 per hour to keep each staff member employed. The CFO figured that if the new software reduced, reduced required staffing time by 10 hours a month, then at the $50 per hour, that would save the company $500 $500 per month. That's equal to $6,000 per year. The cost of the software was a one time expense of $10,000. If the financial benefit of the software is a savings of $6,000 every year, then the annual return resulting from this purchase will be calculated as $6,000 divided by $10,000, which is 60%. The financial impact of the software of the company was identical to if someone came to you with a business idea that generated a return of 60% of a year. I'd invest in that. She so then asked the marketing team how much they would agree to increase the sales targets if their proposal was approved. The answers were initially vague, and eventually the marketing team admitted that the new materials wouldn't necessarily increase sales a lot, but they would enormously improve the image of the company among their customers. With no additional sales, the financial benefit from the proposal was $0. The cost was 10000 so the annual return that would result from this investment is 0 divided by 10000 which equals a 0% annual return. The math for the need to perform these calculations is trivial, but with only a few minutes of work, it makes obvious the answer to a question that seems previously seemingly difficult, complicated, and contentious. These same concepts can be used to understand the analogous concept of political return on investment." That's a pretty interesting example. Um, you may not necessarily be able to do the math quite as obviously when you're dealing with more intangible things like politics, but the, the underlying principle I think is interesting and fairly sound. Um the one thing that I've said is that I don't know if I've ever said it on my podcast, so if I haven't I'm gonna say it now. So a lot of this politics is about, you know, gaining and, and expending political capital. Like, you know, if if you want to do something that's unpopular and and you've built up enough political capital, and political capital counts as a lot of things. It's not only like your popularity and your approval ratings amongst the voters, but let's be realistic, it's like how to certain interests that back you, how do they feel about it? It's like, what can you get away with? The only thing I talked about in the Battle of Athens was some of the friction that was building between Governor Jim Nance McCord and Boss Crump, of the, the, the man at the time who ran the Democratic political machine in Tennessee, and de facto ran Tennessee and picked who was going to win all the offices. They had a bit of a showdown over state sales tax, and Jim McCord ended up winning that and and that's because he had built up a lot of political capital of being Crump's man and being the governor, but you see that sort of thing. It's like not only you know political capital is like what can I get away with? You know, what will my supporters still back me on? It's like how much of that goodwill can I burn to do something that may not be less less popular? I think we've seen this today, like especially today because you know they acquitted the president um, at his second impeachment trial. Ended up you know. And, of course, it was a foregone conclusion, but it's interesting because, you know, part of the whole thing was Biden was like, we're going to send $2,000 checks out immediately. Then he's like, oh, well, okay, we're just going to $1,400 checks because you already got $600. And he's like, well, maybe March or something now. And you see this stuff where they're forging ahead, like seeing all this crazy stuff about trying to, like, put all Trump supporters in re-education camps and they're wanting to evict the president and they're wanting to charge Trump for all these sorts of crimes. And you also have you have those people who like there's a certain part of the democratic base and a radicalized extremely online political base that's pushing for that. They wanted that really bad even though it was never going to really happen. And they wanted, you know, to go through the motions because at least now they, they they wanted to try to they they knew it wasn't going to happen. They wanted to be able to continue to beat the Republicans over the head with it. Then you also have the people that are like, where's my fucking money, bitch? All those folks that are, you know, like apparently I think 60 plus percent, 65 percent of the American people want some sort of a check to go out, you know, after all the economic disruption of the last year. Whether or not that's a wise decision or not, I'm going to get into it. It's not the point of this podcast. The point is, there's a lot of people who are pissed off because they're wasting time on the left as well that are wasting time with something that was never going to happen with a conviction. So anyway, so... We're talking about that, and you know we've talked about helping your your allies and harming your enemies. And this normally would be a good example that having a impeachment and an impeachment trial would be an example of helping your allies and harming your enemies. But at the same time, we've seen, you know, thankfully, Dagny Tagner's OnlyFans admin, admin sent in his thoughts on that. And, that, and that's a really good jumping off point because he talked about return on investment, and I don't think the return on investment is there. Even though it technically meets the thing we've talked about, which is hurt your enemies, harm your allies, the impeachment may have met that definition, but the, the ROI was not there. What are your thoughts? Well, it's very simple.
1: I, you know, not slight digression. I think. Republicans have failed simply because they don't understand the business environment. And by that I mean they are very penny-wise and pound-foolish, or they give up one part of, uh, of running a business for another. So part of the example of, of Dagny Taggart's OnlyFans admin is that is the that marketing department nearly won argument simply because C-Suite is so given towards just giving marketing whatever they say. Why is this? Because marketing itself has basically been fully captured by the left. Marketing is a left-wing uh, is a is a left-wing thing. I personally know right-wing people that you may know name of that have actually been fired from digital marketing because of their right-wing views. They became known. This is regulatory capture by left. Marketing is sexy. Marketing doesn't need to produce much, and ultimately, marketing is controlled ultimately online by Facebook and Google entirely. It is entire all globally. And the point of all this is to say, the left owns marketing. The left owns sexy. The left owns what makes things sexy and makes things attractive to people. And so of course marketing almost won because the same cultural forces of its cool owned it. Only by a very, very dry technical analysis that that uh, Dagny Taggart's OnlyFans admin had the balls, to put it bluntly, to actually propose and going back and forth, only by that was it saved. And this is the problem there is very good facts that the right has but they don't wield them they don't actually say let's get down to brass tacks they just roll over for it and they don't understand how much the, uh, the cultural weight of marketing and all that is able to just influence. Because ultimately, what does marketing do? Marketing wants to survive itself. There's that uh, famous example that once a bureaucracy reaches a certain point, instead of accomplishing its original goal, it is given towards self-preservation. So what is marketing going to do? It's always going to highlight the overnight success stories of how marketing grew the market. Who knows if this is true or not? I don't know. You know, the very fact is we you know Republicans are finally starting to doubt original uh, uh, doubt official story. But the point is, you don't know, and you haven't done the math to validate if these overnight success stories spend on marketing, if these things are actually real, or how many of these are simulated ones to say, look, you have a chance of winning lottery. No, you don't have a chance of winning lottery. Anyone that does, knows math knows you don't. But they continue to to wave a lottery, wave, oh, overnight success, look at marketing, look at viral success. Not because it is irrelevant, not because it is actually something to depend upon, but because it puts you further into spending money on your, on your political, lottery tickets instead of on solid investment plan. Again, I, I don't know what to say to you, capitalists. You say, "Oh, we understand markets. We are the real, uh, reality-based people that understand business." You simply don't. I don't know what to do but laugh at you and take your money while laughing at you, stupid rubs.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. Um, one thing I remember—I remember, I remember um, seeing, like Twitter. Twitter, for example. There was some analysis of that recently where the most active regular posters on Twitter, like the top 10 most highly followed, top 10% of like the most active, most highly followed, uh, po- especially in political Twitter, was like 90% leftist. It was very much a pr- you know, predator distribution about the whack job lefties were like the most active people on Twitter. And Twitter, for better or for worse, arguably for worse, is such a major player in elite opinion. About trying to understand what the consensus is, people pay too much attention. Like I think Twitter is really interesting because there's lots of very smart people in certain areas of Twitter and little subcommunities. And you know, I keep saying again and again and again, a well-curated Twitter feed is basically a superpower because you can see, like you know, I was seeing so much about the stuff, the pandemic that was coming in January at that point because people were already some of your right-wing people, anonymous, right-wing anons on Twitter. And some tech bros in California were like, "Hey, this is like going to be a big deal. You know, we need to start preparing now. Maybe we can cut this off at the head." And you know, some of the people from Vox, especially, were like, "You know, that's been whitewashed." Now, as a, for so much of that for like the first three months, the media was basically undermining everything. And then once it became a problem, it was a major problem. Um, but yeah, anyway, no, it's, that's that's interesting thing about Twitter is you can see so much about what's elite opinion. What it was—the really good stuff on there, but—and I think that's what what you see with the impeachment trial is like. We knew that was never going to work; that was never going to to go anywhere. But they followed that for a lot of the reasons that people listen too much to Twitter because they just assume that the loudmouth people on Twitter are, granted, they have more influence. Generally speaking, there's a lot of blue check journo's from the East Coast on there that drive a lot of that stuff, but that was never going to go anywhere it was never going to be helpful and they expended a lot of political capital for essentially nothing
1: well okay this is this is problem and why why socialism is inevitable and you capitalists you capitalists or republicans are too stupid to capitalize and win very simply Yes, is mistake to focus on impeachment. Yes, it's is mistake to try to impeach Trump. Yes, it was impossible it was never going to happen. Frankly, I think that actually the best thing that could happen for your side is actually impeaching Trump again. Why? Because it 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 takes clown world absurdity to new levels and further it says guess what you're not going to have normal political processes we will rob you of the ability to vote for the person that actually wishes to make your lives better this would actually accelerate and and truly make people start to start to realize we are in a new paradigm altogether and perhaps actually uh, galvanize you. But since they didn't happen, what you'll see is you'll see our Ben Shapiro's dunking, oh, we destroyed Democrats with, with facts and logic and legal processes. And they'll, they'll focus on, on you know, celebrating the lack of a touchdown, instead of moving the ball over to the other side, to use your American football example, to other side of stadium to actually score a touchdown of their own. They will spend all time celebrating, oh, they almost made touchdown, but they were destroyed by their own by their own stupid things, ha, 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 and they'll just dance and they'll waste the waste clock and then, of course, time will run down. They'll say, well, gee, shucks, next time we promise we'll actually move ball forward. Problem is, to put very simply, is that, It is a mistake, people are suffering, people are in pandemic, people are are being um, impoverished more and more. But Republicans will not capitalize on this because they don't understand return on investment of capital. Instead of saying, you are starving families. You are making you are making them grow ever gr- greater, closer to perdition. You are destroying working class, which this country is built upon, and strong families. You are destroying this, and destroying the dignity of workers. You are making children go hungry. You are making them cry. Instead of taking the moral argument that you, you would mock your AOCs for, the Republicans will say, oh, you wasted time on this, la-di-da. In fact, they will be the worst example simple 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 example i have for you uh, there is there is someone there was someone that i i see because of course we as communists we always have access to every single right wing network to spy upon and they were talking about the long beach city of long beach california was going to uh, was had city council propose 4 dollar an hour raise for grocery workers and they were to ta- and say they said that kroger wouldn't pay they pulled out of other cities and so it said the right wing should protest giving four dollar an hour a raise to workers first off republicans can't keep their story straight first off kroger canceled my pillow mike lindell for his crazy QAnon things and supporting donald trump which is it are you supporting boycott of kroger or are you defending kroger uh for, for uh against this this four dollar an hour minimum wage further what are Republicans doing to make the lives of everyday workers who you say you love so much? Oh, we, we value the people who work for, for a living, we hate the people on welfare. What are you doing to make their lives better? Oh, nothing? Further, you're going to actually go out there, risk getting doxxed by uh, by by rabid leftists who have nothing better to do and they enjoy it. You're going to risk getting doxxed and protesting and fighting this thing for a corporation that hates you and cancels your your, your people? Are you, are you insane? When the left calls you fascists, it is an insult to the effectiveness of Mussolini and an and insult to the effectiveness of the evil Adolf Hitler. They were effective at least. You are not effective at all. You fight for a corporation that does not care about you and actually cancels you and would happily have you doxed homeless and laugh at you while, uh, while supporting gay pride month. You simply are too stupid to play in the political arena because instead of watching your finances and saying, oh, we are going to spend money and risk this thing, we are just going to go out there and LARP and get doxed and lose people, lose good patri- good good patriots who risk getting doxed and taking time off to protest for the company that hates us. This is the crux of the problem, if you understand what I say.
0: That's a good point. Um, that's something I, I've, I've noticed, you know, it's... Um so much I think, like we're we, we really, in 2020 was really the end. Uh, like they've said 1914 was the real end of the 19th century. And I feel like 2020 was the real end of the 20th century. This is the end, like 2020 was the year where we truly and finally entered the 21st century in terms of a new era. Um, and I think a lot of the old models that we have for things in the 20th, especially like in the, Ra- the Reagan era, like those 10 years and the, the 20 years after, this Pax Americana, this new world order, has essentially ended. There's been, so many of our ideological systems no longer apply or no longer have any real answers. People are struggling to try to come up with something new. Um, and I see this a lot when people are still stuck, like, in a, especially a lot of very libertarian people, You know, their business, their rules, which is, again, that ended in 1964. More you know that principle was over and done with then, and even before then, if you if you count the Marsh Marsh v Alabama, which was the one that said, that was the ruling that said that constitutional rights actually can be applied against private actors and on private property, in a company town, so, that whole line of argument for me has been that's been over and done with forever, um for for a very long time, but another thing too is like we have to understand. In terms of that, when are talking about the corp- corp- corporatocracies, that your corner, sing- sole proprietorship, like hardware store or bar, is a radically different animal than a globe spanning transnational corporation that functions as part of a cartel and has a tremendous market and economic power that it can apply against people. And we saw this in the parlor. It's like so many of these large corporations acted in concert and because of their market power they were able to intimidate other people and other players into no longer working with them and that's the thing people really have to come come to terms with you know some, I think people are waking up to that i'm hearing more people start to understand well this is not this is not the the free market stuff i was told this is not how this is supposed to work you know we we have explicit ideological uh, weaponized economic and cultural power being used to accomplish explicit ideological goals, you know. Again, that's the four networks theory I talked about, which is, you know, originally um, was military power, government power, um, economic power, and originally the fourth was religion. But I've changed that one to culture because I think that's a little bit more expansive. Covers what we're talking about today, which sort of functions what as religion would have been back then.
1: Further thoughts on on problems here. The Republican Party, as I said, refuses to do what is necessary. Donald Trump started to do this. as He pushes for $2,000 stimulus checks and pushes for more. was, in fact, more of a pro-worker, pro, uh, pro-people, populist platform. This was shut down by both parties, of course, because this is the real problem. Political power in your country as America is divided between people that say they stand for the people, but they are doing the bare minimum they can for the people while they have a few radical radical leftists who actually wish to do things for people or propose it, and they got shot down they say, better luck next time, guys. Vote for us. Maybe you'll get Hero Act with $2,000, 3000 $4,000 a month, uh, you know, UBI, essentially. Th- these are never meant to succeed, the same way that the impeachment trials never meant to succeed. And The point is they are setting up a narrative to say, "Gee, shucks, you know better luck next time. this is the, this is the Democrat version of better luck next time. That is always the better luck next time that the Republicans get for the NRA. the pro The difference is that the, that the left actually has people that will show up, do things and make people pay political costs or make their return on investment. Uh, difficult. Basically, they'll have shareholders who will crash company meeting and say, you didn't deliver as you said you would. We will make you pay costs. We will vote you out. We will also threaten you at your homes. We, you know, this will, in fact, raise your costs. But th- let's, let's go back to terms that you understand. The thing that, the thing that all, was also left out by, uh, by Dagny Taggart's OnlyFans admin, the reason he wanted to hear about this is because he didn't connect with idea until he heard Pavlovian response to return on investment for Republicans who look at their stock portfolios and, and day trade and autistically, and autistically salivate every time they hear about Dow Jones or their Vanguard or their, their, uh, their various trading accounts going up, is because a return on investment is the single most important phrase for them aside from their wife saying, I'm ready for you, honey. So the point quite simply is that re- the return on investment for investing in these in left communities and all that it gets taken away and it even becomes a negative when they turn on each other, and they can't turn out they can't turn out. The problem is Republicans have no desire to pick up these voters because they will actually have to abandon the consensus by called the Chamber of Commerce call it the china party is's been linked in a few of your uh, recent articles, uh, especially that tablet magazine article that was excellent excellent analysis. I can't tell you how much I enjoy reading deep financial analysis.
0: It was the 30 Tyrants piece?
1: The the 30
0: Tyrants yeah, piece. Yeah, it was a really good one. I linked that. That was in Tuesday. I, li- I linked that piece in my Tuesday newsletter roundup. I have to say, if I had to choose one publication, honestly, Tablet
1: Tablet Magazine might be the publication I choose simply because when they decide to dig deep into an issue, they manage to find truly, truly groundbreaking research. Anyways, the point, the point I'm making, quite simply, is that the Republicans don't. Uh, the Republicans won't do. Won't hold the Democrats accountable on their weak points, and and you know, and Republicans and the, and the rep- the people who vote for them. Are getting sick of it. I heard that something like two hundred thousand people have left the GOP over the last week or so, and suppose and this is supposed to be as is it because of their disgust at the capital of the capital outrage, which seems less likely, honestly, because the Demo- because the Republicans have not supported it in any way. The point is, you have feckless people that refuse to press on the weak point to actually. To actually raise workers up to actually support them to actually instead of you know, instead of just a ubi or instead of the unemployment, perhaps giving a, a wage boost of not say four dollars an hour give ten dollars an hour to people actually working creates a positive incentive to go back to work but instead of doing this kind of thing that requires spending money now, the Republicans are pennywise pound foolish and say we will spend no capital up front because we can't picture a future and this is another this is another thing I wish to speak of. The republicans have been separated from the marketing departments of of business but the other part they've been separated from even more crucially is from venture capital and from startups so this leads to this problem where when democrats say small business republicans picture a green grocer on 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 the corner but that's not what Democrats mean when they say small business. When they say small business, they mean a minority-run company that does carbon analysis for, for tech startups, that will do carbon analysis and carbon offsets by, by matching people that grow trees in Amazon to, to startup companies that wish to show that they're offsetting it and that they're creating more equity around the world. That's what a small business is, and this small business, of course, it makes no money for at least the next three years, is only surviving upon the donor's dime from series A, series B, series C of funding rounds. So essentially what it is is, are you ready for it? It is an unsustainable business idea that only after it has tremendous amount of money spent of other people's money on stupid, redline business, does it finally maybe begin to succeed because someone sees they can get political graph paid off? All this is way to say, when Democrats say small business, they mean the useful political lackeys of big capital who create an idea, they can't make money at it until they find something that, that that gives them political advantage, and then suddenly it makes a ton of money. This is Facebook. Facebook had no way to make money until they figured out they could absolutely transform and warp your brains. When they found out they could transform and warp brains by simple mindshare and no ads and all that, all of a sudden, the amount of money they could make and the amount of political influence they could wield was tremendous. This is what business means to Democrats and the republicans have no conception of this kind of market capture this kind of monopoly you know, quite simply i think republicans don't understand that monopoly is what democrats mean by business and when they mean small business they simply mean that which has not been acquired by the monopoly
0: yet interesting you know one thing i think um it's it's a really great example of poor return on investment like w- with this whole impeachment thing but it made me actually think of one, one thing that Dagny Taggart's OnlyFans admin. I think that, that's a great name for, for, for a, a fan to send it. And, and just for, you know, it's like I really appreciate people sending in questions and comments and observations and fan mail like that. Come up with a cool, funny name that we can use on air because that's, that's great. Um, I, I, love, I love that little spicy joke in there like that. But anyway, um, the thing that really stands out to me, and I started really thinking about this earlier today, the the marketing people that he talks about in there almost had his business make a financial mistake and the reason they almost got away with it is because marketing is ultimately about convincing people. You know, they're they're very it's an extroverted thing that's about manipulating and convincing people. And it made me sort of think too about the whole the whole Twitter cohort, the blue check Twitter cohort that pushes the Dems to do a lot of dumb stuff. There's a real there's, there's an analogy there, a parallel between them. You know, you cannot listen to your marketing department without second guessing them, and you cannot just follow what the blue check thought leaders on Twitter say because they're not really representative either of your business. Um, they had to actually think and examine their proposals, and then then it immediately fell apart. And I see that too. Like, what's the impeachment? A, it wasn't going to succeed. B. You know it it delayed them actually making real substantial things that would help their allies like trying to work on those you know payments for the economic destruction whatever they call that. they're not even really stimulus checks or people have been calling them that but they're whatever you want to call them the checks you know and they already after after they already kicked their after they already kicked their allies in the balls by saying oh well we actually meant 1,400 because 1,400 plus six is two so that seemed to really fumble the whole thing. It gave Republicans a chance to kind of stand up, and stand strong, and the people that voted against the people that voted against Trump and re- voted to convict him on the Republican side, like three of them, I think. No, four. Four of them are like not running again for office. Um, like they're, they've decided to not run for election, or two of them, or two or three of them, and then like another two or three of them aren't up for election until twenty twenty six and then the other two are like Mitt Romney and uh, was it Mike Lee or something? The old school like, cuck Republican types. So it, w- it was it was seven people that had very distinctive um, reasons for voting to convict. And, but, and, and then, even then, we knew it wasn't going to pass. So the Dems basically blew a lot of capital on a, on a dog and pony show to get up there and spout a bunch of rhetoric that got into the news And satisfy that blue check liberal Twitter class that drives a lot of this stuff. You know, even if they did, the whole thing is, even if they did manage to convict Trump, the whole problem is like, that's not gonna, like, and I I keep harping over and over again, that's not gonna change anything. The the basic factors that are driving people to support Trump and support other populist people have not changed, haven't even been addressed. You know, and do you wanna get to the point whether or not, even if you don't like Trump or don't like Marjorie Ta- Taylor Greene, part of democracy and part of elections is a, a you know not only trying to get your voice heard, but it's also sometimes the people like a minority that doesn't feel appreciated gets an outlet, getting a place to, to vent the pressure. And you know it's like it's it, they're not even if they're just going to kick people out that represent certain cohorts of the population. Logically, you know, and this is what I'm trying to stop, and why it's such a horrible fucking idea, is you know, if you if you get it where people cannot talk about their problems, if they cannot, you know, assemble and have a redress of grievances, if you take away their political options with through the system by kicking out their chosen candidates, you leave them with no other options but violence.
1: The it is very interesting when you look at the uh, Russian Revolution, of course. I'm, I'm of course, uh, Tito Tech this is Yugoslavia, not Russia. But the important thing to understand is Russian Revolution, where, where Lenin takes over, people don't actually understand it very well. It's, it's actually, they think, oh, they lose World War I, or the Bolsheviks take over, yada, yada, yada. It's more complicated. To go very simple on it, though, the important highlights are 1905, Russia war, loses war to Japan. It was a world-shaking victory. No one believed an Asian country could beat a European country. This absolutely shook confidence of everyone, and this caused riots and a near revolution in 1905. It's called the Russian Revolution of 1905 on Wikipedia, very simple. Point is, the, the Tsar already nearly was deposed in 1905. They made the reforms and said, we will make a Duma. Whereas the Duma, called the Congress, close enough. Duma was Congress where people could basically have grievances heard. And so people grumble, and they also managed to do good suppression. People say, well, at least we will have grievances heard compared to old system where they literally did not listen to us. Problem is, Duma does not actually allow uh, real grievances to be heard. and They they were promised Duma would have power. Duma had no power. So this leads to this, this cult, a... a period between wars. It was not really over, honestly. And exiles and people who, who really caused nineteen oh five revolution had to go into exile, which was common in Russia at the time. So then what happens is of course, the the, the disastrous war of World War One happens. Russia is not doing well and they're wondering why they're fighting it. And at this point that is when the this is when venture capital comes in. Uh, the sealed train which which carries lenin uh, has funding from both uh, it's believed to be the german government with with gold bullion and it's also believed to be jacob schiff create funding mechanisms that actually allow him to enter russia to pay people off and to begin the process but the process itself does not topple the czar the process itself and, and install bolshevism it topples the czar and they create a provisional government under Kerensky. At that point, no one knows what a provisional government is. They don't care. That is when the government is weakest. no one cares. Everyone thinks it is to quote some other people fake and gay as it might be. so no one cares to fight for government. so Bolsheviks can strike and they take over similarly here, all this is to say this sounds like big historical digression. point I'm making is this: at times of weakness, you know if you see if the small party or small group of minority manages to seize upon and take violence of action to, quote, applied violence people. The violence of action can really make up a lot and can give you tremendous gains. Right now, Democrats are not reaching out to the actual working class, to the actual people that wish to work for a living. If Republicans insta- in actually lived up to what they said they were, the party of the working, and uh, Democrats call themselves the party of the working man, but if the, if the Republicans truly became the party of the employed, of the employed worker. And actually fought for them, and exploited these these things. The you know, exploited the uh, oil workers who are not getting voted for with the with the Pennsylvania thing. Instead of saying laughing at them, extending a hand, creating new groups, creating new lobby groups, the AFL-CIO man in that Time article spearheaded the campaign, basically to you know call it a coordinated action called conspiracy, called what you will. The head of the AFL-CIO, which is organized labor, was the main person who led to the conspiracy that that managed to suppress riots and also managed to, to gain business to help, not, to help defeat Trump in the 2020 election. Imagine if you actually had a challenge to challenge him in the AFL-CIO to create a new affiliation, to get a new union for other workers to join that would actually address their concerns instead of addressing impeachment, addressing their paychecks, addressing their families. But the problem is Republicans don't care about workers. You have a famous example, in, oh, all we need is a great big red state, and a great big red state does a great thing, let's move to Texas, yeehaw. Well, the problem with that ideology is you have Utah. Utah so dreads comes. And what kind of senators do we have out of Utah? U- Utah took a, took, a, took a gamble on Mia Love a few years ago. They disliked her. She was the first Haitian-American senator, I believe, if I recall correctly. Uh, she does badly. She also you know, shies away from Trump's remarks about uh, shithole countries, you know, because I was referring to Haiti. And so she's not strong on immigration. Uh, and, the, the, and so she retires. Mitt Romney takes her seat. So Mitt Romney, of course, is not supporting any of these things. Remember. Mitt Romney made his career from destroying the lives of working people. He destroyed tens of thousands of lives, and he is considered a moral arbiter. If you Republicans had one ounce of testosterone still in your bodies, you would decry this destroyer of legacy, of future, of dignity of working man. Instead, you say, oh, no, he is just stupid. Oh, no, he is just just cuck. Not that he is demon hellspawn that destroyed people who actually wanted to work for a living. You don't do this. This is why you deserve to lose. I spit on your graves because you don't actually support the people you say you do. So Mitt Romney is there. But okay, we forgot one other senator. Remember, we only have Mitt Romney. We have Mike Lee of Utah. And what has Mike Lee's big bill been? It has been to push for more green cards, for more workers. So the point is, literally... One of the worst thorns in your side, the worst traitors, comes from a deep red state that has people that wish to denigrate your working people, whether it's in tech, or so, oh ho, oh, we can laugh at the left and all that, but you're going to import more enemies that are even more hostile to you and have no shared interest with you as Americans because furthermore they're not even asked to assimilate or join your cultures. So, the thing is, you have these big, great big traitors, and you refuse to deal with them, you refuse to bring them to task, and you refuse to create new alliances where there and what can I say? you 'll go ahead and defend Kroger when Kroger wants to when Kroger is you know is busy throwing one of your men under the bus and you haven't a chance to extract money from them, and you're going to defend them for no gain of your own. The left would only defend a corporation if the corporation gave away money to them. This is why Black Lives Matter had what was it, hundred million dollars from J.P. Morgan Chase, or was it a billion like dollars? Or Bank of America? It yeah, was. They've
0: had several hundred million dollars.
1: It was one of those. But so they extract. They ex- they get a return on investment. They invest in these companies. The companies invest in them. They say, okay, you give us one billion dollars, we will give you a return on investment, and in turn, you will see a return on investment. They look at these like 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 like. Accountant with green shade visor overhead and looking very, very harshly at accounting. Whereas Republicans say, well, all we can do is just vote, or all we can do is just, just hope, or all we can do is pray to pray to some, some sky god who doesn't do things. Instead of actually taking real business lessons, which, you know, supposedly the right-wing brain people are more logical, more, uh, more in finance, more of these kinds of things... You guys don't apply this This simple what can we do, what can we get out of it, and what kind of return on investment can we get? I, I don't know what to say. And you further, you don't even support those who supposedly might be starting off in career, but are honest working people. You don't support them. Donald Trump started to do that, and this is why he was destroyed. And this is why AFL-CIO needed to do this, because he, Donald Trump represented a real threat to organized labor, which has left behind organized labor in major way. Instead of courting these people, instead of creating new associations, instead of reaching across and actually destroying the people like like Mitt Romney or Mike Lee of Utah, who are busy trying to suppress those people... Instead of doing that and actually showing a solidarity with them, Republicans continue to just play, oh, they made a mistake, let's laugh at them, let's be like the hare in the tortoise and the hare that says, I'm so far ahead of the tortoise, I'm just going to relax, go to sleep, surely I can't lose to tortoise, and the hare goes to sleep and the tortoise passes them. Do the work! If you don't want to do the work, I don't know what to tell you. You're going to be outworked by communists and defeated. Because that is the path you've been on, this is why you are still defeated to this day.
0: I think you know, one thing. Um, th- there's definitely a rising tide of discontent, and people kind of formulating uh, different responses to what's going on. Like we, you know, I keep saying we are in this, we are in this um, flux period between a kind of an interregnum, you could say, between the 6 party system and the seventh party system. And I, I, I think it's interesting because we do have you know, so much of the corporate former Republican sponsorship is shifting to the Dems, and the Dems are becoming kind of China China lackeys. As the 30 Tyrants piece that was in Talent Mag that you mentioned was an excellent piece, by the way, I linked that in my, again, I linked that in the February 9th, 2021 uh, weekly roundup at my Substack, contextualinsurgent.substack.com, I linked that piece in there, click on it. It's a, it's a fairly long piece, but it's a really 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 good piece but yeah you see that a lot you know we, we now have it's it's the party of what wo- this woke aggrieved underclass and this corporate elite and the republicans now have a, a position to make inroads with a huge swath of the population they didn't before you know they're and i think it's sort of interesting like i think trying to get being more labor friendly is probably necessary because you know one thing i did actually talk about and this is sort of interesting you know i have mentioned mentioned before about how we're going to find a lot of strange bedfellows like i did my 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 daily dispatch when i talked about bernie sanders being against open borders that was a quote from six years ago but bernie's is like open borders it's like no that's a right-wing proposal it's like we need a nation we need we need to close borders we need to prefer our local people and i also talked about a piece from 100 years ago you know it was a an excerpt from the Socialist Party of America Congress that was extremely anti-immigration. You know, and I also mentioned too, there's there's a swath of Trump supporters that are fir- former Bernie supporters. Once Bernie evolved on immigration, you saw there was there was a, a degree of Bernie supporters that, you know, nat- like an, an economy that was more for American workers, and you saw those people shift to Trump. Like Tim Poole and Cassandra Fairbanks are good examples of that. You know, their main interests were with Bernie when he was with when he was about that. Then when Bernie turned into a new a, a new left type liberal person, when he adapted, they, they jumped over to Trump. So we're going to see a lot of interesting different allies out there. Um, I think we could make some organized. We, we could actually start making some inroads with labor and organized labor. It's gonna be hard because the leadership of the AFL CIO and all those other groups are so dug in like ticks with the leftist establishment. You have people like Jane McAlee who I've talked about and you know, there's also Lisa Fithian who I've talked about as well, they're old time leftist organizers that jumped back and forth between organized labor and other woke causes. So it's a it's a it's a complicated issue with that and but I think it's sorta of interesting the opportunities that are available.
1: Right. You know, quite simply it- you know why why is uh, why is why is a uh, proper marxist socialist uh, talking to your right wing people well quite simply uh, the international capital has taken over the democrat party and it's always been there but it's really taken it over and the divide and conquer is tried and true strategy you can watch your yuri Besmondov talking about the demoralization that's another rabbit hole to go down point is you can watch this and see uh, and see the sort of seeds of what you see today But the point is you can sort of pick one mass. You can only choose one master at a time. And the left, you know, the left has a lot, has has vestigial interest in organized labor, but has basically left them behind. This goes back to essentially Bill Clinton and his triangulation, third way kind of thing. Again, not to go deep into political theory, different uh, different uh, you know political establishments and all that, and then you know whatever you know, this is the different political system you talked about. But the point is. That the Democrats have really been not doing much for organized labor and all that, and they, they the SEIU to some degree has expanded more, but the AFL-CIO is more of a legacy dinosaur, and the very fact is it's a big soft underbelly, and they were very scared of it back in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Uh, the Brexit states, I think, is referred to Michael, by Michael Moore. He predicted in twenty sixteen Trump's victory because the abandonment by by the left and all that. And when they try to move to UBI, they try to move to uh, you know to to stronger universalist policies. This actually disenfranchises skilled workers who work for a living and actually develop skills. This is a major pickup opportunity. But the problem is you have your Mitt Romney, which you know, which people wanted to celebrate in his twenty twelve election running, talking about the uh, 49%, the 49%, 49%, the 49% or the 51%, that 49% of people pay federal taxes, the majority don't. Well, you know, the, and that has to do with tax code. Why do I care about tax code? How does that help me? How does that benefit me? you are talking about obscure, arcane things, blah, 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 blah. It gets close to the target, but it doesn't exactly touch it. So the Republicans are supposed to celebrate, oh, we got closer to the target. Wonderful. Well, I don't care about getting close to the target. I care about the actual target. Frankly, if Republicans want to actually be sort of, uh, be sorts about honesty and stuff it should be about we support workers that actually wish to work for a living because right now what the the democrat coalition is trying to do is it's trying to empower people who don't work so if you make it about workers versus non-workers and we wish to reward people who work for a living and create more opportunities for them to work because the dignity of work and all that all of a sudden, you have an unassailable, lefty-sounding position, but is one that actually has more traditional values to it. You know, people that work for a living tend to value themselves more. They tend to invest in themselves. They want people to invest in them. They look in the mirror. They're proud of themselves. You know, when people are gainfully employed, this is one of, the, this is one of uh, Mao Zedong's great proposals. Oh, he's a socialist. He's a communist. Mao Zedong, oh my gosh. Mao Zedong create, created universal labor force. Everyone worked. And this was the way he managed to solve the opium epidemic, which, as bad as it is in America, was literally 100 years old, going back to the British opium wars, where basically the British, at gunpoint, forced China to allow sale of opiates because China knew how terrible a policy this was. So, to, to so the thing is that universal labor managed to cure an opium crisis that had ravaged and impoverished China. For a hundred years, managed to cure prostitution, which you know for uh, for foreign elites visiting China, managed to solve these problems, and yes, there were death camps, yes, there were these kinds of things, but ultimately again, I'm socialist you know some some of these things are just water under the bridge, it's the political cap price I'm willing to pay. But he solved major issues for people and solved major, solved major things. Whereas the Republicans don't talk about opiates because what would solve it would, oh, that would violate my, uh, my libertarian drug policy. I don't use opiates, so I believe opiates should be free for people. If they wish to commit suicide, good luck to them. I wish them well. That is not a policy that people are going to vote for because you sound like a monster. You sound like Mitt Romney when he's had a, few, a little too much to drink at the party when he was talking about his 49%, which is why he lost. Very simply, if you wish to think and speak like a monster, of course you deserve to lose. You are a monster. Why do people want to vote for a monster that doesn't care for their dead? If you don't have a party and you don't actually, can't tell people with conviction, I care about you, I wish to make your life better, and that is what I'm going to do and fight for, then no one wants to vote for you. You are prickly prickly son of a bitch that no one likes and the only reason they're employed at office is because you do good thing. And frankly, as soon as they can find software that will automate your job or do something else, they will get rid of you and you will say, I never saw it coming, I was such a good employee, I worked so hard at company. Well, guess what? If you have people that dislike you, if you don't build solidarity and actually and actually have people that like you, no one will show up to defend you. And frankly, given the way technology and given the way disruption works, you will be thrown out of job, you will have your life destroyed, and you deserve it.
0: Well, that was Tech Brochito, y'all. And a good chat with him as always. Thanks again to Dagny Taggart's OnlyFans admin for sending in the email with the example and the questions. Um, I always appreciate, I really love feedback, super excited to have some, some some of the audience reaching out with questions and comments, so by all means, please, if you have any other observations or thoughts, shoot me an email at arkanar, A-R-K-A-N-A-R, at protonmail.com. And thanks for tuning in, folks. This has been Aaron Smith and Tech Bro Tito for Contextual Insurgent Project.